You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Usually I'll start an episode off with a brief recap of what's going on, but I think there's too much to recap right now, Vardy, for my opener. So I'm going to ask you, as I always do, how are you tonight, Vardy? Uh, I'm I'm doing okay. I think circumstances being what they are. Uh, we are recording this live uh, as the Kings are playing Minnesota right now. It's in the middle of the second intermission. Um yeah, it's a initially started as a rather heavy-hearted game, I think, with uh, with all the events in Thousand Oaks, um, obviously dominating the headlines uh, for Southern California right now, and uh, uh, dominating the intro for the game as well. Yeah, it's been it's been tough sledding just all around the country. We don't have to get into everything, but it's it just seems like it's been a rough week, and this Thousand Oaks incident obviously just. Uh, is the heaviest one because it is yeah. our community. It is very close. You know, the Kings and the Wild are wearing stickers that say enough on their helmet. And really, what else can you say? There are really no words. So I'm all with that one word. I think it encapsulates everything we all feel. Yeah, I think I think it really does. You know, like, there's so many different viewpoints on this and they keep getting explored every time something like this happens. And um I don't know, man. It just it just seems really tragic to me that within one year's period of time now, this is the this is the third time we've had to have NHL teams address a mass tragedy. You know, between uh, Vegas obviously having a very big, uh, you know, the shooting there having a very big part in their inaugural season, and then the Parkland, Florida shooting with with the Panthers. So um, I, I, I'm just I think everyone's just emotionally exhausted and just doesn't want these things ever to happen again and to ever be, um, you know, the focus of your life. I mean, we, we watch these games, we sport in general is meant to be a distraction. It's meant to be a unifying thing. Um, but you never hope that it's being used to distract you from something like this. Because I don't know if there is a good way that you could distract yourself, really. You can't, but, I mean, one way we try to do that is with this podcast. So, Mm -hmm. I guess let's talk about something a little lighter. Although, from a Kings perspective, it's been a pretty heavy week, too. Because right off the bat, we got to talk about John Stevens being dismissed, fired, relieved of his duties. And we talked about this last episode, how there was... A chance it would happen, a good chance it would happen. We talked about trades, we talked about the firing, we gave our percentages and all that, but ultimately what resulted is, as Rob Blake would say, a good man being fired, being uh, relieved of his duties, and Willie Desjardins, I think a name that you and I, especially when we were talking, would have never really pegged as a candidate to be a coach um, to be the coach for the LA Kings should John Stevens get fired. I think we talked about Elaine Vigneault a uh, little bit. I think Mayer talked about Patrick Waugh and a few other people, but he never really <laughs> crossed my mind in any way. So how did you react um, 
to Willie Desjardins. I shouldn't ask that because I think we were right you next were to each other when you reacted to that. You were there. So I, I know, know how you, you reacted. How, how did I react? Uh, okay, I'll explain it. It was surprise. I think surprise was the biggest word, followed by maybe skepticism from from both of us when we first found out. Um, but why don't you tell our people? What was your initial reaction, your initial thoughts? Because I wasn't in your head to Willie Desjardins being uh, hired. Yeah, yeah. I should say that initially this week did start so nicely because uh, you and your wife came down to San Diego to visit and we got to see you. And I was like, this is nice. And then immediately, <laughs> <laughs> the shit times began. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, no, my, uh, my reaction was... I think surprise is a good one. It was a bit befuddled surprise because I was just like, okay. But then the more I had a chance to kind of read up on it and, and explore the logic, the more it made sense. Um, yes, 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 yes. There's a few factors here and I think yeah, I'm sure we'll yeah, dive into them. It's a layered decision for Cor- sure. Correct. And I think what you're going to refer to, I think first and foremost is the King's financial situation in terms of the number of coaches they're paying Correct. Whether they're still with the organization or not, they're still paying Daryl Sutter. They're still paying John Stevens. Um, so it's an interim hire, and I think mainly for that reason. It's also because the interim tag anyway, it, anytime you go midseason, it's usually a wait-and-see approach. Obviously, with Daryl Sutter, it was not because of how seasoned he was because I think Dean, in the back of his mind, Dean Lombardi, always wanted Daryl to be the Correct. king's coach so that was a little different but overall these situations are never long term for sure anything like that so not surprised an interim tag marco sturm mm-hmm. the interesting name out of that one coming in as the assistant coach so after the hire was made lots of speculation that marco sturm is actually the guy the kings are looking to be the next head coach now of course that's all dependent on a lot of things but He's an up-and-coming name in the coaching world. Obviously, what he did with the German national team in the Olympics was, you know, highly praised, rightfully so. Total underdog kind of team, where they went, where they ended up. So he might be, very realistically, the main target for the Kings, both this season and next. So don't be surprised. Of course, it's not a lock. Things can happen. But don't be surprised if it is Marco Sturm with a long-term role with this team. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's an interesting way of doing this is cause you kind of get, uh, an extended, uh, tryout period, if you will, to kind of get a sense of, okay, how much of what he achieved with Germany was a bit of a lightning in a bottle situation. Obviously, you know, Germany was playing against, uh, less than usual Olympic talent, shall yes. we say that not to not to minimize their achievement i don't think anyone even with those rosters expected germany to be in the final game uh and give russia a run for their money i, I apologize the olympic athletes from the country formerly known as russia there you go get uh, it right thank you i got it there's I, a lot i don't need a cease and desist man <laughs> that's, right. On this podcast. that's right um but uh I think I think this is a good way to kind of examine and see how much of what they achieved was real, how much of his coaching talent is, you know, really there versus okay, maybe maybe 
people are selling this guy a little bit higher than he should be at the moment. Um, and, you know, shortly after, obviously, uh, Willie Desjardins and, and Marco Sturm are brought on, you know, we get news of, uh, of Joel Quinville being let go from Chicago, which yep. I think, I think that's about as unpredictable as, as you could say. Well, and that's not to say that, oh, okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to say from, from a timing standpoint, how about that? Not necessarily that he was let go, but from a timing standpoint. Perhaps. Yes, 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 yes. Because I, I, I can't imagine that if Blake and company had an inkling that he would be let go. Granted, given the financial situations of prior coaches, yeah. and et cetera, I know that. I, I, I'm assuming all of those things, but I can't imagine that had they had some sort of an inkling from backdoor you know, talks or whatever that Quinville was going to be let go two days after Stevens was going course, to be let go. Of course, of course. That, that, that's just a sheer timing coincidental, uh, coincidental thing. So that's uh, – but – and I think we talked about this – before this podcast, I didn't. I don't think they would have hired him anyway. To tell you the truth, they might have reached out. Yes, they might have tried to get an idea of his, if he's willing to finish the year. I don't think he's that guy. I think he's a Mike Babcock type level, whatever you want to call it, coach that is going to want a long term deal for big money, rightfully so. And I don't think the Kings were in any position to not only offer him big money, but to give him a long term deal because there is so much uncertainty with what's going on with this team still. Um, right. And there's a lot to figure out. They're still the worst team in the NHL, you know. Uh, Willie Desjardins' first game, he came in. He um, got the W, good game against the Ducks. Right now they're trailing 2-1 to Minnesota. They're kind of not playing well right now in the third. Yeah, they're um, kind of trudging along here. They're going on the penalty kill right now um, off a Minnesota breakaway. So – not good. <laughs> yeah. Not, not Less good. Less than ideal. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, we knew that Willie coming in isn't going to change things overnight, right? We knew that, especially coming in in the middle of a season, in the beginning of a season, during the season, you can't – you don't have time to implement your system right away. You know, so that win, I think, against Anaheim was an emotional win, strictly. Yeah. Um. So there's still work to do. Today's game proves that. They had good spurts in today's game, which is not over yet. But again, there's still work to be done. What have you noticed, Vardy? Let's let's start there. What have you noticed different, if anything, in these one and one third games or two third games that we watched with Willie? You know, honestly, it's maybe it's a couple things and it's subtle, and I think it's it's difficult also to assess because you know to to Stevens's credit. The last three games that he coached with the Kings, they won two out of those last three. Granted, one of them was a real stinker against Philly, but you know they won his last game that he coached as a Kings coach, and that also coincided. Um, the last few games coincided with the return of Dustin Brown, which seems to have reinvigorated the Kings' offense uh, in several ways. So I don't know how much to attribute to, you know, uh, a gradual change that was already kind of coming on. From the team standpoint, then it just happens to coincide with the hiring of a new coach, specifically for the reasons that you mentioned. It's it's you know it's a quick turnaround to try and implement your your system. But I think if there is one thing, um, and we we kind of threw this out there already on the Twitter feed, is that the defense is being encouraged. I think a way more 
to be active and be part of the the rush and uh, activated a lot more in the offensive zone Absolutely. than maybe they were. That that's that's the thing that jumps out to me most as well. Right away, you could see that the Kings D is is rushing. They are creating outnumbered attacks by virtue of them being given the green light to join the attack. Um, another thing I've noticed is that is ice time, and this mm-hmm. jumped out to me right away. And actually, before his first game with the Kings uh, about Desjardins, I kind of did some research, and and the main thing Canucks fans seem to. I guess complain about Willie is that he would roll four lines no matter what, no right. matter the situation, no matter the you know where the game is, what the score is, what you need at this exact moment. He has a willingness to roll four lines consistently. And my first thought when I read that and heard that is like that actually might be what this team needs right now um, because you do need your best players to be fresh, you know, your best players need to be your best players, but they can't be taxed to the point where late in a game, they're really struggling. And Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar are the first two names that come to your mind. Obviously Mm -hmm. they play, you know, I think last year they played the most minutes in their position from anyone, at least at some point. Um, And I'm sure under Stevens early in the season, it wasn't much different. So right there. So those are two main things. Defense is going to be attacking a lot more. Joining the Russia not more, a lot more, becoming a third or fourth option on offense, and then you're going to see a lot more ice time from your quote unquote bottom six forwards, and perhaps less reliance and less taxation on your stars. Who for the Kings, this has been going on for a long time. This is not a John Stevens thing. Daryl Sutter right. played them into dust as well, right? And that includes Jonathan Quick, right? Um, so. Maybe that's a refreshing change for the team, for the players. Maybe that ends up helping out. Yeah, it's that's certainly possible. Um, you know, I, I think so far in the season, our third and fourth line have uh, left much to be desired, and so I don't know if that's a that's a function of uh, not enough ice time, and maybe now they'll get that opportunity versus. Well, this is just what they are, and you know maybe the production is never going to come, no matter how much ice time you give them. So um, we'll see. It sounds like um, it sounds like Willie D is going to give them every opportunity to prove that they have the talent to contribute uh, to the offense and um, take a little bit of pressure off of uh, the top six. I'll tell you though, which, uh, the Lewis Clifford line last game was probably our best they line. Look great. They look they great. They look great. Clifford looked like. Not Kyle Clifford. He looked pretty good. They looked great. Flying, making some moves. Yeah, I I think, again, it's a very small sample size, and you have to let that new coach smell kind of wear off a little bit. You know, all the guys are feeling the weight of having gotten Stevens uh, fired. All of them are looking to make an impact. And uh, I truly believe that all of them want to be in L.A. I don't think there's anyone who's looking to get traded or, you know, doesn't care if they get traded. Um, a lot, um, most of these guys have been here for several, several seasons and maybe have never played in any other team. If you want to talk specifically about names like Tanner Pearson, there a lot of players, man, a lot of these guys have not played for any other organization, uh, either homegrown or, or picked up as prospects signed as, you know, prospect free agents, whatever you want to call it. A lot of these guys have only played for one team. Um, a lot of these guys, I think 10 players are still Stanley Cup winners with the LA Kings. So right. 
it's going to be interesting. You know, you knew the Kings were going to play with a chip on their shoulder against Anaheim. I don't think anyone expected anything less. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it changes or stays the same moving forward. One question I did have for you, Vardy. Mm. Do you still see a trade coming? Because we did talk about how it, it, it's going to be a trade or the firing. We even talked about how it could be both. We put percentages on it. Now the change has been made. Do you still think a trade is coming? Yes, I think so. I, uh, I, I, I do don't too. think it's. I do yeah, too, I don't think to it's going to be like immediate. I don't think it's going to be within like five games of a new coach or anything like that. But um, I would expect that by the end of the calendar year, there's still a trade coming. I, I you know, that, that this doesn't change the fact that I think certain players, and again. Um, Pearson being the very, very obvious candidate, um, are not playing to their abilities and still very much have trade value uh, when you still when you're in a position where you have younger guys that are looking to kind of come in and are looking to get that opportunity to get this ice time that you're otherwise giving to Tanner Pearson with very little productivity coming from that. You know, the Kings have been doing a decent job this season, maybe out of necessity, but rotating guys like Anderson Dolan, who obviously has been sent back to juniors. Now they have Matt Luff, uh, Sheldon Rempel. You know, Amadio went down, came back up again. Obviously, that was kind of a odder situation. But I mean, they're they're trying. They're trying to get these guys ice time. They're trying to get them the opportunity to stick with the big club and make an impact. And I think if you have a guy like Pearson, who you have signed to a good deal, but isn't really living up to even that deal that you have them signed to and still has value out there you have to you have to consider the possibility that if he's not a vital component to this team going forward that maybe you can move him for some sort of long-term gains be that salary cap relief if you have some sort of a bigger plan in mind or bringing in pieces that you think can make this team better now yeah uh bob mckenzie on insider trading we have that clip up on our twitter right now you guys can go check it out at uh, the Bannerman pod he just straight up says there's just been a lot of talk about Tanner Pearson and he's on the block you know and you hear rumors but when Bob says it when Bob McKenzie says it you could take it to the bank uh, he didn't say he's going to get traded but he is being shopped a lot of speculation about the Kings possibly going after William Nylander as well I'm sure you well, plenty of you have heard this Vardy I'm sure you've read about it yeah. Um, and in fact, Sportsnet threw up a graphic today where it was just Nylander and, and his possible destinations. And under the team logos of his possible destinations were the players that could be possible targets. And under the Kings, it was Jake Muzzin, Tanner Pearson, and Kale Clegg listed as targets that the Leafs would be interested in. So let's just go with that. I mean, it's never gonna, it's never that easy, right? But let's just go with that and say that the Leafs would pull the trigger on that trade would you general manager Vardy, pull the trigger on that trade you you had me until clegg i'll it's be tough, honest right? with you it's tough you had me until clegg i'll be i mean that's not to say that i think pearson and muzzin would be enough to get that done i think you'd still have to throw in something but i'd i would almost rather give up a pick than give up a guy like clegg that i think is has shown every every step of the way in his development that he's going to be a a very important player uh, for the Kings, especially because we don't really have any, and you and I have lamented about this is we don't really have any blue chip prospects. 
at the moment, right? And on not the, on quite the, at the level that you'd like, I would say. Right. I mean, Gabe Velarde might, and he's he's a whole other story that we'll get into. But yeah, he's probably number one on the prospect list right now. Right. So if you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint, really, who do you have who has the ceiling of a Kale Clegg and has the developmental trajectory thus far? Uh, you know, yeah, he's he's. You have no, I mean, you've got guys like Brickley, and you know, you're hoping that that pans out, and you know, early returns are maybe it will. But I think if you're looking at the more traditional route of a guy who's drafted highly, rated highly, is performing highly, has performed for Canada highly, and now is playing in the AHL. I mean, he's he's the prototypical guy developing along the track that you're hoping for him to as a, a second round pick at a position that the Kings are going to need players at, you know? Yep. So that's that's kind of where I I uh, I start getting a little bit uh, hesitant. Weary. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. Clegg makes it tough. I think Muzzin and Pearson, I think most people would be like. Yeah, okay. Like that's a that's a fair kind of chain uh, trade decent return. But I I agree with you. I don't think it would be enough. I think Toronto gets another piece in there. Maybe it is a a prospect or a draft pick what have you. Um but hey man, here's the thing. William Nylander is is a dynamic player. He hasn't quite shown that he's he could be a 40 goal guy or anything like that yet, but he is the type of player that is an elite shooter and, mm-hmm. and and if you have the opportunity to get him you you should explore every avenue to try to get him on your team that being said I, I if i put my money on it i say toronto finds a way to sign him yeah because matthews is out they're struggling they're having trouble scoring goals now all of a sudden puts the pressure on a young general manager in kyle dubas to to make a play for nylander maybe asap i don't know if he's you know, wise beyond his years. And because really Nylander has no leverage in this situation. I don't want to oh, make none. this Leafs talk none. over here, but he, an RFA has no leverage. He's either going to sit out the season and wait till the next season, or he's going to sign and play hockey. So we'll right. see, we'll see what happens there. We'll see if the Kings are players for William Nylander. Hopefully they are. And hopefully they're doing their best to, to try to persuade Kyle Dubas to send him to the Kings for, Kyle Clifford in a third. <laughs> Work your magic. Yes, Work your magic. Right. Um, yeah, and Carolina is really the other team that I've heard uh, being bandied about as the. I feel uh, like they've been in every trade conversation. It's because the they can be. Years. It's because they're stacked be. on D. Exactly. They have they have prospects in every position that you could possibly want, and that's you know that's what you get for not being very good for several years, and and. Uh, you know they can be and now they're turning it around under Brenda Moore and you know they're jumping into boards at the end of wins and you know doing uh rowboat celebrations and whatnot and everything's hunky-dory in Carolina so yeah if you're if if you can I guess that's that's what you do yeah but I, I think they have them they're 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 working from a, a, a stronger position oh much in stronger. terms of a trade than, than the Kings are so the I Kings think are I mean you look at the Tanner Pearson's value can't be lower than it is today. Yeah. Period. He has zero goals. You know, it's a third period right now of this Minnesota game with seven minutes left. He hasn't scored today. Um, So that's just reality. Jake Muzzin is playing well the last few games, but, you know, is 
does his age fit with that Toronto core? Is he too right. old for that core? Do they want a younger defense? So there's all kinds of things going on. But I still do think there's a trade coming, minor or major. It's coming. I think this team still needs something, something right. else. Right, um, and I think I think it goes back to the to the earlier point we made that you know you have ten, eleven guys who've never played for a different team, and and whether you like it or not, like you stay one place for ten or eleven years you start getting comfortable. You win a couple cups there, you start getting comfortable. And that's not to say that some people need a change of scenery, but that's to say that comfort can be a funny thing. Comfort can go can go in either direction. I think if everyone's too comfortable, then you just assume that this is just, it's going to always be like this. Update on the game. Mm. Kings are getting <laughs> pinned into their zone. It's been scoring chance after scoring chance for Minnesota. Uh, 6.34 left. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't expect every game in the Willie Desjardins era to be a W, obviously. I know you don't either, Vardy. But this third period so far has been rough around the edges for the Kings. They need to get something going here. <laughs> Otherwise, that... Ha- that first rush of happiness that first rush of willie desjardins new coach smell is going to go away <laughs> real fast real yeah. fast jack campbell doing snow angels in the crease making saves um how about adam oates we didn't touch on that adam oates hired as a consultant in the pierre turgeon role if you yeah. will maybe maybe not i mean they're they're not necessarily calling him that so you know points for creativity yet again i suppose uh, trying things out and trying to uh, get someone who brings a different eye, perhaps the developmental role of prospects. Sure, why not? Uh, it sounds like he's not going to have any direct involvement with with the team itself. Like, like I don't know, maybe it, it, I'm wrong. I, I think you're right. I think it's more of a one-on-one thing with with Kings players because right now he has a offensive or I don't know. He's a consultant full-time with NHL players. He's not connected to any team. He does this on a year-round basis. This is his job. Um, And actually, he's gotten a lot of heat for it. I was listening to Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick's podcast, which is very good. I highly recommend it. 31 Thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were talking about how a lot of coaches have been unhappy about Adam Oates basically taking their players and teaching them things that might not fit into their system necessarily. And he's gotten some backlash for it. And then other coaches have said, you know what, like let's work together to improve this player. Um, And also interesting from that podcast, Elliot Friedman, when Jeff Merrick asked him, what do you think ails the Kings compared to last year? He, (laughs) the first thing he said is Pierre Turgeon's not there anymore, which is, it kind of took me by surprise because Yes, Pierre Turgeon was there every year, but I still was there every day. But I still have a kind of a hard time believing that right. he was that impactful on the team. Of course, we don't know. We, he could have been, he could have been, um, and that hiring Oates was kind of a move to remedy that in a way. So it's I don't know if he's speculating. He knows more than we do, certainly. Um, but that was a point he brought up. So it's interesting to see what Adam Oates can do with these players, uh, and also interesting to see on what level he's going to be working with them. You know, he is a one-on-one consultant, but if you're hired by a team, you'd have to think that at some point he'd have more than one guy at one time. Yeah. To, I, I, to coach. I, so I don't fully understand 
uh, what his role is going to be, but I, I suppose it's going to be a bit of a transitional year in terms of leadership all around for the Kings. So this is maybe just part of that as well. And, uh, you know, if you kind of look at any comments from Capitals fans from the brief period of time that Oates was their head coach, they weren't particularly happy with, with his approach to things as well. You know, he's got his own ideas and, uh, that's not to say that different ideas are, are always bad, but clearly whatever seems to work for him personally doesn't always work for other players. And I think pushing that a little bit has not always panned out for him. So I don't know how that's going to affect uh, his role with the Kings. Yeah, um, interesting fact, I guess, is that although Washington fans were not happy with Adam Oates and his tenure in Washington was very short, he did do some good things there. And one of the things is that Alex Ovechkin's power play goal numbers took, saw a spike, believe it or not. If you look at his pre-Oats power play goal numbers, he has, I think, one season in the 20s and a lot of you know lower 10s, teens, stuff like that. And after Adam Oates, he's been much closer to 20 and above. He has, he's had two, I think, close to 25 since then. So there has been... And this has been attributed to him. I, I was doing some research, and, and it was attributed to him and what he did with Ovechkin to help him. And when you have a player like Ilya Kovalchuk, who is not too different, um, it might be a very good thing for the Kings power play, which today has failed them a little bit. So hopefully that will be something that Adam Moose can work on. So interesting times in Kingsland. Inter- interesting times for our favorite hockey team. We'll see what happens party we'll see what happens particularly in this game we're at we're down to four minutes 35 seconds left yeah we're running out of mind, time here mind you this is against the team that uh Cardo predicted would be dead last in the central division and i'm already going to be wrong it's <laughs> 15 games in now and it's clear that it's not going to happen look i just don't get it <laughs> i'm sorry i'll never understand it defies it. explanation like it really does it's i had it's Saint, I, I think effect, i had man. yeah i had st louis in the playoffs and minnesota out and it's as usual eat crow per 60 just killing it skyrocketing <laughs> skyrocketing today I, I didn't think our Ecro per 60 uh, would apply to our um, prodigious, <laughs> you know, prediction that uh, the Kings would be a whopping third place in the Pacific <laughs> and we can't even we can't even achieve that. You know what no, I mean? No, can't, no. Can't even call us homers in that in that respect. No. Um, Anaheim struggling. So we I think we kind of had that right you know, right. it's funny like Vegas is that de- is is falling back down to earth. Anaheim struggling. Like and we can't enjoy a single second of it, Vardy, nope. and that's what nope. upsets me the most. The Pacific Division is a barrel fire. Just <laughs> it's bad. Like teams are bad. Vancouver is the best team in the division. Yeah, actually, that's, that's they, the they beat up on Boston effect. today. Yeah, this kid apparently is Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> He's lightweight skating around doing what he wants and right. if someone hits him they're going to be in trouble <laughs> which was what happened uh in that florida game a few weeks ago but yeah uh, yeah it's it's the pacific if you have any hopes kings fans is that the pacific is bad right and the kings have a lot and i mean a lot of pacific division games coming up they have played very few up, up until this point so 
there it is, man. That's going to be the season. We talked about this last season. We talked about it the season before, that it's those head-to-head against the Pacific that ultimately seal your fate one way or the other. So there is still time, but again, they got to get going here. This is, look, a game against Minnesota is a tough game. Look, I'm, I'm not saying they should have just walked in here and destroyed them, but this third period so far has not been good. Is has yeah. not been a good showing by the team, and they're running out of time right now. So, yeah, one thing one thing that I think you have to give a lot of credit to is uh, is Jack Campbell's play. You know, uh, Quick obviously got hurt early on in the season, and then now it looks like it's a perhaps a different injury that's side that's going to sideline him for a long period of time, and I think. Jack Campbell has done a beyond admirable job uh, filling in. Yeah, uh, look, this is how I felt about Budai in seventeen eighteen. Okay. Yeah. Admir- oh, yeah. No, no, admirable no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, job. Not. No, no, I'm just saying, like admirable job. Much respect, but you're still not Jonathan Quick, and like, of course not. Jack Campbell has done well, but today that second goal, I don't like it. No, I don't like it one goal. bit. It's a bad play by Dowdy to make that bounce pass or a board pass it's a bad read by him and that never happens but the shot i just not not a good one not a good one yeah and i'm not saying quick stops it i'm not saying you know quick stops every shot that campbell stops either but it's just you need a save right there it's one of those situations so yeah i i heard it's four to six six weeks and it's been a little over a week now i believe or yeah, more that, so it's projected like uh, just after Thanksgiving, early yeah. early December, right right around the time when your playoff fate is usually sealed. Yeah, usually determined. <laughs> oh man, um, and we're not even we're not even being sarcastic about that, guys. No, like, that's, that's a, it's a seventy six percent, I believe. Mm-hmm. If you're in by Thanksgiving, there's a seventy six or so percent chance that you're in. Yeah. Um. So, all right. Um. Ilya Kovalchuk, Vardy. Love him. Point, every, point per game right now. Yep. Aggressive player uh, doing exactly what he wants to do out there and not looking a day over 25 in his play. I mean, he, he looks... He does not look any older. I agree with you. No. He he's looks like the exactly same player. like I remember him playing. Yep. He looks like the same player that left New Jersey in 2013. Mm-hmm. Minimum. You know, I'm not. Let's not. I'm not going to get crazy and tell you he looks like 22 year old Ilya Kovalchuk, but he looks like the same player that the Kings were playing against in the final and that left the following season. Right. Um, what else can you say? He's a special player, man. That's what it comes down to. You see the things he tries. You see mm-hmm. the plays he's trying to make. It's almost like he refuses <laughs> to to be put into any kind of box, into any kind of system. About this is the he's going to play. The hockey that's made him successful his entire life, and I respect right. the hell out of it. He's making plays. He's a playmaker, straight up. It's not just about his shot. It's not just about goals. He is making plays, passes, creating, right. creating space for his teammates. He's just imagine like we were. Remember we were talking about Pacioretty versus Kovalchuk in the off season. Mm-hmm. Come on now, come on now. It's not even debatable at this point. Max Pacioretty's having a rough go in Vegas. He's not scoring. He had some injuries, yes, but. It's. I'm sorry. That's we're looking at the TV. That's a gimme gift for the Kings right there. That penalty. Yeah. So. One fifty four left. <laughs> Two minute power play for the Kings. If this Potential was last year, six on four. Obviously, six, they'll with... they'll pull the goalie. If this was last year, you feel pretty good. 
Yeah. But, but right now we're in no man's land with this yeah. team, so we don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, um, this this year I feel like if you have someone on the Minnesota Wild, there's a good chance you're about to get some shorthanded points right now for your fantasy league. Uh, yeah. Well, this is going to be interesting. Maybe we should lock in, Vardy. What do you say? Lock in and see what happens on this power play. Yeah, maybe Kovalchuk will do something. Since we were talking about him, right? I mean, yeah, you you posted something that was very nice. Uh, I think uh, one of the stats websites, The Point, had uh, had pointed out, for lack of a better uh, term, that our our first power play unit, the productivity of that unit is ridiculous. Yeah, per sixty, they're the highest. Yeah. yeah. So and and you saw it even today. You know, they had a couple really good oh, power plays. A lot of miscues going on. A lot of miscues going on right now. Sorry for the delay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it sh- that's what it should be when you look at the personnel on the ice. Like yeah. you're looking at it, and it's it's a special five or in this case six guys right now on the ice. So right. that's what's supposed to happen. So we're down to a minute. Kings are still on the power play. Just can't seem to keep the puck in the zone to make anything happen. Yep, it's a it's a rough go right now. <laughs> come on, guys. Oh, come on. Hideous. Uh, Hideous. It seems like the writing's on the wall for this one. Now they got the zone. Needless to say, we're not seeing a whole lot here to make us particularly confident about how this is going to end. So. No. We're just gonna we're gonna have to oh, hope that they pull some. Oh my god! And that's the game. <laughs> okay. So there you go. So one pass, Kolchuk or uh, Kopitar trying to go across, taken out of there. Minnesota goes the other way, empty net, shorthanded goal for Grandland with a few seconds left, and that'll do it. Um, uh, so that the longest winning streak of the season for the Kings, two games, <laughs> is is now history. Uh, it's tough it's tough when you're trying to get back the way you are it's tough when you're trying to come out of a hole as big as the one you've created for yourself and at this point moving forward and this is going to be all year guys every loss is going to hurt now every loss is going to hurt significantly more than it should because of the situation the kings have put themselves in um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Vardy. Yeah, Becky. Sorry about that. Five, nine, and one now for the LA Kings. Yep. What? I, give me a percentage. A <laughs> playoff percentage, my friend. The Kings making the playoffs. If you had to put a percentage on it right now. Ten percent. Quite honestly, even even with the barrel fire that is the Pacific Division, I just don't see it, man. I don't see them pulling themselves together with enough. They just dug too deep a hole to to really inspire me to get back. Honestly, I don't know. I just I don't know. I, I just don't think I see enough. So your ten percent is a lot more optimistic than sportsclubstats.com. Which gives us the you know the objective number of what the possibility is. I guess they haven't updated, but right now they have the Kings at five percent. It's going to be lower after this game. So you're looking Definitely. at so you're looking at a I'm going to guess 
two to one to two percent chance at this point if you yeah. factor in who they're going to play if you factor in their opponents if you factor in their winning percentage so for the kings yeah. to make the playoffs they would have to go <laughs> drum roll please guys uh they would have to go i believe uh, 40 wins oh, God. 19 losses <laughs> It ain't gonna happen, dude. It it's it's too hard. They have man. to play. They have to play seven hundred hockey for the rest. It's of the too week. hard. It's not gonna. It's happen. too hard. And the Pacific, as bad as it is, like I don't know. It's not that bad. It's not as bad it's as not it that is. Bad. It's not that because, bad. Because hey, you know what? The Vancouver's keep winning. So what are you gonna do? It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough sledding. I'm I'm, I'm gonna say five percent. <laughs> I totally cheated. That's okay though. That's okay. Somewhere between five and ten percent. But the difference is that I think with this regime, they are more realistic in a lot of ways. I agree. I think if this was, I think if this was the Lombardi era, we would be holding out hope until. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what Lombardi would say. He would go to the media and say, "These guys have figured it out before. I have complete confidence that they're going to figure it figure it out again." we just yada, we, we yada. just extended Dion Phaneuf, yeah. like you know like something. <laughs> Dion Phaneuf is the new Derek Jeter, something to that extent. Yeah, there would be a Yankee reference or two in there. He read War Peace, War and Peace, and then uh, somehow we would still not make the playoffs. Yeah. So realistically speaking, um, and I guess this is a question now. I'll, I'll pose this question to you. If we don't believe the Kings are going to make the playoffs, which mm-hmm. in November it looks like they're not, should they <laughs> – it's a sensitive subject, the tanking subject, Vardy. Should they be playing now for a shot at Jack Hughes? They still very well could be, no matter how well they do, by the way, yeah. or how hard they try. They may still end up being in that position. Should they be? Should they avoid or try to avoid that black hole area where you're picking 11, 12, 13, missing the playoffs? And I don't see how you reasonably do that because unless you're going to trade away everyone, which is impossible because we're just not that type of a team right now, you're not going to trade Kopitar. You're not going to trade Brown. You're not going to trade Kovalchuk. You're not going to trade Carter. You're not going to trade Doughty. Okay. Once Quick comes back, you're not going to trade him. So that in and of itself is going to prevent you from being a truly, truly terrible team, like a worse than Detroit team. I think when 82 games is said and done, the Kings are again going to be somewhere, I don't know, like fifth or sixth from the bottom. They'll they'll be in the lottery, but I don't think they're going to have the best odds of it, in my opinion. Right, right. Well, they're just their rosters. Their roster itself is too talented to be that bad. They can't help but avoid being in that black hole area. But they might be a little bit more closer to one in the black hole than they would be to fourteen traditionally. In yeah. my mind, I mean the thing, the only thing I could think of that might re- result in that, and I don't want to insult the team that I love or anything, but a lot of them have long term contracts. A lot of them aren't really playing for a contract. You argue that Toffoli and Pearson are, but you know what? They were playing for a contract last year too in many ways. Um, right. So it's – I don't know. Uh, Quick's going to come back <laughs> at some point. 
they're going to make a trade at some point. It's just, you know what's interesting? When do you realize that, you know what, it's not going to happen for us this year? Because I still yeah. I still think the management fully believes that this team still can make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean... They are realistic, but right now, November 8th, I yeah, think yeah, they yeah. still think... Well, the good news, I mean, the good news is the trade deadline's not until February, you know? Correct. And I think the writing is going to be pretty much on the wall one way or the other by February. The worst thing that can happen to this team, in my opinion, is if they're like six points out of a playoff spot come February. Cause it's just, it's going to be horrible. They're going to do something stupid. They're going to try and make it, or they're just not going to trade away the assets that they have. And again, you're just going to end up having a wasted season. I'm okay with it being a wasted. I'm okay with it being, a losing season if it's not a wasted season i don't know if that makes sense there's a difference to the two in absolutely no it makes perfect sense i think i think if you go through another season where you don't make the playoffs but you're still holding on to martinez and you're still holding on to pearson and you're still holding on to to muzzin not that i have anything against those players but those are players that are going to help you if you're already winning i don't see again muzzin is is always a touchy subject but i don't see martinez and pearson being the guys that are gonna make you win i think they're good guys to help you out if you're already winning if again i don't know if my logic makes sense well you know the thing is like they're not but the guys that are supposed to help you win they're not helping you either right so it's it's kind of like well who's supposed to help you win if it's not and, and this is something that we all get caught up in is like, oh, you know, the bottom six isn't, but or the, we complain about bottom six players. You know, we complain about the bottom pairing D and sometimes we let our beloved players kind of off the hook. You know, Andre Kopitar, he's not playing poorly, but right now he's on a 40 point pace. Yeah. You know, and do I think he's going to finish with 40? No, but he's, you know, that can't happen. The Kings made the playoffs last year because he had 92 points. Let's be right. serious here. He had a career year and not just him, a couple other guys. So it's just like last episode, just like I would even say the our first episodes of this podcast over a year ago, there is a whole lot of like, what is this team right now? Mm-hmm. And it hasn't fixed itself. Last year, we saw the signs. I think we ignored it, man. I think we really ignored it. The way they were winning games coming from behind um kind of the i don't want to say luck but these spectacular things happening for the team like that Tafoli game right for example comes to mind immediately like a lot of these little things happening that were going right for the kings it was there it was in front of us and we kind of just kind of got carried away with all the i don't know goals the success everything and the start like we said last episode the start last year got them in the playoffs and ever since that start what we're seeing this year is what we probably should have seen last year yeah i agree i mean there's there's that's why the you know there's always this concept and statistics about regression to the mean like if you follow things long enough you're going to see things eventually come down to what the true nature of a team's play is you know so realistically they were probably playing well above their capability a lot of times last year and then we started seeing towards the end of the year that they were kind of coming back down to earth really saw it in the playoffs obviously and again now you're left in this like this state of okay so what is the real team 
you know, I think we can all agree that they're not this bad, but clearly they weren't as good as they were with the start that they had last year. So the reality is no matter how you slice it, if you, if you take the entire thing and look at it as one picture of this team, they're not a playoff team. They're a bubble team at best. And depending on how things are going from one week to the next, they end up on, you know, the lower third or even lower apparently portion of the, of the NHL. And that's, that's where they're at right now. This is where we are now. You're right. This is your team. And there's really no quick fix. I don't think the coaching was a quick fix. This is not an overnight thing. Um, A lot of work to do. Kings have a lot of work to do moving forward. We'll still be here. Right? (laughs) I got nowhere else to be. We'll still be. I mean, look, episode 30. (laughs) And of course, Vardy, there's only one person, one player in Kings history who this episode can be named after. And since it's your job, I'll I'll let you (laughs) announce who that is should i go with the easy one <laughs> there's only one guy it is the rogue at the end Dashawn episode absolutely the guy I mean, who else is there his number was retired in the 80s i mean let's be realistic here it's the rogie Vashon episode ladies and gentlemen if you didn't know now you know you should have known from the beginning um wish it was a little more upbeat for you rogie but given the circumstances like your coaching tenure and oh, your GMing oh. tenure. <laughs> hey yo. Let's look ahead into the schedule, Vardy. One uh, of the, I love one this of the game. best times of the episode. Looking ahead. We come to you every two weeks. We do our best to come to you sooner. We've been doing pretty good. We've hey, been doing you know, pretty good. Look. You and can't it, count on the Kings, but you can count on us. Quite frankly, this season, I don't know. If, had we done once a week the way this season has started out, I don't know what, <laughs> what the hell would we, we would about? talk about. It would just be so, miserable. It would just be a lot of sighing. Just a lot of size. And you guys and don't the, want to hear this miserable. Not, although one of our valuable listeners, uh, Cousin Joe, if you're listening, shout out to him. He loved our sign over the last episode. He's, oh, did he? TT texted me to tell me that he laughed for a good 15 minutes and his son was like, <laughs> what the hell are you laughing at? <laughs> so we, it's, we do this for the people, man. Yeah. That's what we do. No, we bring we, the comedy gold. But honestly, he's one of our biggest supporters. And if you're listening, we love you, big guy. Thanks for the support. Um, okay. So, lost to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We got the flame Saturday. Mike Smith's still their goalie. So <laughs> It's the only Achilles heel we got. Their yeah. offense can be phenomenal if they want to be at any point in time. Correct. So, winnable game, but don't know. Our, our, our past history with Calgary implies that as winnable as it may be, I'm going to call that one a loss. Yeah. Um, Book it. Wow. <laughs> That's where we are. Uh, then on the following Tuesday, Toronto Maple Leafs. I suspect, or maybe I is just wishful, that Kyle Dubas and Rob Blake will go into a room during this game. <laughs> Not watch a single second of it. <laughs> and just get down to business. Let's get, let's get Bill Nye, the wrist shot guy, in a number 29 silver and black. <laughs> let's do it. I could just imagine the conversation too. Blake will go up to him before the game starts. I'll be like, come on. We both know how this is going to go. <laughs> Neither one of us wants to watch this. Yeah. Um, I still – look, they could surprise the Leafs at home, uh, but they're probably not. So after that, you got Chicago and Nashville back-to-back on the road. I don't know. I feel like don't a road trip – might... confidence whatsoever. Of course not. Of look, games. I'm looking at 
the schedule, none of these, like St. Louis, right, on Monday yeah. the 19th. St. Louis is terrible right now. Zero confidence that the Kings can take that game. Just yeah. because it's the state of the franchise right now. Yeah. It's a lot of just turmoil. It's a yeah. lot of uncertainty. Like your number one goalie's hurt. Your number one center isn't playing that great. You just fired another coach. Marco Sturm. It's just all very confusing right now. Adam yeah. Oates. Yeah. And then and, and yet you look at that and over the next couple of weeks leading up to the Thanksgiving holiday, I think that's that's the only game that I'm looking at right now. I'm like, that's the one they're gonna win. Which one? St. Louis. That's the only one yeah, that I see, think. I don't feel I don't I'm not as confident as you are. Can they win? Sure. You know what? The way we're playing right now, I'm not confident about any of these games. We're yeah. and, and look, we got Calgary Pacific this month, Vancouver Pacific, Edmonton Pacific, Vancouver again Pacific, Edmonton again Pacific, Calgary again Pacific. Right there, yeah, is your season. There's your season. Right there, there's your season. No hyperbole. That's probably going to be your season, yeah. Because you have a ton of games coming up against the Pacific. Thanksgiving's right around that time, like you said. You got to get those wins, man, if you want to somehow be in it. Because yeah, the way this is lined up right now, should they? By some friggin' miracle, win every single Pacific Division game you see here, they'll probably be like six points out of third. Right. And you're Which in is, and you're in it. Yeah. Then you're in it. So yeah. But the more realistic thing, if you're looking from November tenth to November twenty first, <laughs> yeah. which is uh it's seven, a bunch of central six games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Six games, only one of which is against the Pacific. Four against the Central, though, so there's another little nugget there. It, it, from the 16th to the 30th, it's all Western Conference. Yeah. And you could do some – look, man, you could do some damage if you yeah. if you if win you a lot of these games. Six, if you go one and five. Oh, dude, if you go three and – if you go – what is it? If they go three and three. Three and three, they're, they're, they're in trouble. Yeah. Straight up, so. Yeah. This is this is the hole we find ourselves in, Kings fan. We, we're not trying to harp on things. We're just – we're very realistic. We're very, very realistic. If you're looking for people who are going to be, you know, bleeding silver and black and saying that they can take on the world and they can go 40 and 19 and make the playoffs, you're, you're listening to the wrong podcast. I don't know what to tell you. Look, we do bleed those colors. I bleed them. But, but I bleed when I know it's worth bleeding. When yeah, I look at we, this, I'm we, like – We bleed and we weep. Yeah, for I our kings. selectively. <laughs> <laughs> Prove us wrong, Kings. I mean, I wouldn't bet on you right now, but that's okay. I'm willing to admit that's not. I'm not going to stop watching. Absolutely I'm not. not. Here, here's on. the thing, man. We've been you and I and a lot of Kings fans out there have been through enough bad seasons. Yeah, where we this can be like, you know what? I've seen. This no, is, this is nowhere close to the worst season I've seen. Sure, it was the worst start in 30 years, but. <laughs> it, there's a lot of hockey to be played here, all right? <laughs> we are not the 87-88 Kings right now. We have good players on this team, all right? Yeah. We're not, you know, looking at old Marcel Dion and 20-year-old Luke Robitaille. We're looking at just old Ilya Goldrick. <laughs> and God bless him. I love watching him. And he less old <laughs> other guys, yeah. All right, last piece of business, Vardy. The LA Kings third jersey has been leaked by one of our favorite sources on the internet, Aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's at Aesthetics on Twitter, aesthetics.com for all your jersey design stuff. 
or uh, it's not dot com anymore, it's is it? Dot it, info, they've isn't been, it? They've been changing it a lot. It might be dot Just co. Google aesthetics. Aesthetics. Uh, it's dot co, not dot com. Um, a lot of cool stuff. If you're a hockey jersey nut like we are, we love yeah. the like concepts all over the place. Really cool ideas. Um, a few years back, they had a whole. Back when the NHL was only thirty teams, they had a whole submission contest for every every team's new logo. And they completely rebranded the league. It was phenomenal yeah. stuff. I think they might still have it archived if you haven't looked at it. They have everything archived uh, and properly tagged too, so you can find those really easily. So shout out to Aesthetics who have no idea who we are, but still, shout out. We like in case like this ever comes too. around to somehow someone at Aesthetics, we love your shit. Yeah, maybe we'll have you on the show one day. Maybe I'll reach out. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, Kings third jersey. Um, as they say, new boss, a lot like the old boss. <laughs> it's basically the 50th anniversary jersey with um, the gold trim taken away. So it's going to be a gray jersey. We threw it up on Twitter. You could see it on Aesthetics as well. Um, you know, yeah. here's here's the thing. With all the history, yep. with all the, the rich tapestry that you can weave from the Kings jerseys that they've worn – in the last 51 52 years just why that one it's not horrible it's uninspired like that's the best word yes it's just lazy it's just the gray it's the same thing we saw even the purple and gold throwbacks they had the blue and gold throwbacks they had a few years ago for legends night why not keep them they're beautiful everyone loves them just keep them or why not just Break out the Chevy jerseys, baby. Yeah, it just boggles my mind because the one opportunity they had to do to add a little brightness to their color palette to this entire season to add any type of just <laughs> like just a ray of sunshine of some sort could have been in the form of this third jersey. And they just went with the exact same thing that they had. You know, it just blows. I mean, Carolina, Carolina, who, you know, moved the team from Hartford broke millions of hearts in Hartford. They still respected their kind of bastard history enough to bring back the Taylor's Jersey. <laughs> Beautiful wording. Thank you. <laughs> they had, they had respect enough to bring back the Whalers Jersey in a color that has, that makes no sense to their current color palette. But universally everyone just saw that and said, yes, that is what it should be. Why has it not been this forever? And loved it. I, I, we had a funny comment on Twitter when we posted the photo from the notorious PNG. He writes, it's as if they said, what color matches old and slow? <laughs> I know, gray. Yeah. <laughs> that, gave, that gave me a chuckle. <laughs> Pretty just because of, Just because of the state of, state of the team right now. Yeah. gray is just so fitting right. for everything it is such a gray area with this team this season right. or um, dark brown for like constipated hockey yeah one of the two. so how about that lightning jersey by the way apparently it might be like an incomplete jersey did you hear about this i did i don't know what that means exactly i don't, I don't either why would you yeah. why would you have it in the catalog yeah. <laughs> it's weird i feel like i feel like that's just some you know PR dodging at the end there yeah. trying to be like no it's not the it's not the real thing <laughs> meanwhile in the background they're like damn it uh, <laughs> they're not as impressed by the sleeve gradients as they as we thought they would be yeah so they look like basically or what they they're look go- like long sleeve t-shirts they're going to eventually look like black onesies 
on the ice, <laughs> I imagine. It, it's just going to be black on black on black. Maybe they go full black on the visors too and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and you and I joked that it's, it's almost guaranteed that they're going to call them the, the black lightning or the black ice or the yeah, black thunder. Sort of dark, dark storm. <laughs> Like some some stupid moniker is going to be attached to that to that whole uniform. Uh, what about that Toronto one? I like it. See, I like it too. Team, Way off, team. They go off the board, man. It has nothing yeah. to do with their current situation. Yeah. Their certain colors. I loved it because that's what people want. That's what a third jersey should be. A third jersey is not supposed to be like same old, same old. Yeah, I mean, to, again, it boggles my mind. We're the one freaking team in this entire league that has had purple yeah. in their jersey. Well, I guess if you want to use Anaheim, fine, but I, I choose to ignore their – That their, is eggplant. Fine. You know, aubergine, Not purple. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But the royal purple that at one point united both the Kings and the Lakers and like represented Los Angeles colors – is available in their color palette and we decided to bury it under like a collar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. Put like a purple sleeve stripe or something on there. It just, I don't understand. We're not in the, we're not in the mid nineties. Well, I should say we're not in the early two thousands anymore where everyone has to be wearing red or black color is a very big thing now just accept it run with it and but no no we get more gray we get a 51st shade of gray (laughs) well played vardy well played thank you i think that's a good sour note to close on any closing thoughts vardy no i'm i'm good i i feel like we've covered a lot in a short period of time uh yeah no, keep the uh, keep the feedback coming on Twitter. You guys have been awesome. You've been communicating with us a lot. We love communicating back and forth and just having a general conversation, uh, sometimes funny, sometimes serious about the state of the franchise, the state of the NHL, uh, the state of the world, whatever it may be. Uh, we appreciate all the followers. We've gotten quite a few new followers over the past couple months since, since the start of the season, and we, we really appreciate that. We hope that you guys are kind of enjoying doing this as much as we enjoy i'm sorry enjoying listening to this as much as we enjoy doing this um and if there's any input you know good bad otherwise we're more than happy to hear it so keep absolutely it absolutely that's on twitter that's at the bannerman pod bannermanpodcast.com subscribe to us on itunes stitcher soundcloud we'll be here all year folks We are here with you. Holding it down. Don't you worry about it. We'll see you next time for episode 31. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.